Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode five. And for any new listeners, welcome to Poetic Plonk. This will be the go-to off-the-beat poetry podcast, where you can simply switch off for 20 minutes and relax with a wee bit of poetry. Now, I've seen a few reviews over on Spotify, so I would very much appreciate if we just keep that going and pass the pod on, I guess. So just take two seconds out of your day by giving the podcast a review. Now, on Spotify, that's literally just a star review. You don't have to write anything. And it very much does help us all to reach out to new listeners to be able to share poetry with more people. And lastly, before we actually begin this episode, if you want to make life even easier if you're over on Spotify, then just click the bell button on the podcast homepage to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. So let's get into episode five of Poetic Plonk. Now, on today's episode, we have a poet who was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. She was born in 1967. So on today's episode, we have Adrienne Sue. Sue actually graduated from none other than Harvard University in Boston, Massachusetts. And Sue actually brought out her debut collection of poems published in 1997 called Middle Kingdom, upon which she impression her experiences. My notes here. (laughs) My notes, honestly, sometimes I read back my notes and I don't understand what I was thinking at the time, especially when I did my research. And I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's quite well thought out, but cannot for the life of me read out that sentence as to what what it actually means um but what i wanted to say was she she had a poem or sorry a collection of poems published in 1997 called middle kingdom where she discusses her experiences as a chinese american woman more specifically how she views the concept of the american identity now that's through different aspects and perspectives so Uh, Three examples are language, geography, and even history is is explored within her poems. Now, the structure itself of her poetry collection called Middle Kingdom is very intriguing as it takes the reader on a geographical journey to New York, New England, China, Mexico, and even more locations. So if we take an example of a poem that is in Middle Kingdom, there is a poem called Address. And in the poem Address, the first stanza explores how Chinese people are viewed in America back in the 90s, not the modern day, I would imagine, or I actually hope that the the views have significantly developed and changed. So the line is, there are many ways of saying Chinese in American. One means restaurant, others mean comprador, coolie, green army. Now, just for some context, comprador is an agent for foreign organizations, so in essence, a spy. Coolie is an extremely offensive term for an unskilled laborer in India, China, and other Asian countries. 
And the last term that is used in this in this line in her poem, Green Army. The Green Army were a military category in the Chinese army in the... Oh, I'm definitely going to butcher the name here. In the Qing Dynasty, um, which took place from 1644 to 1912. So this line quite clearly conveys a very negative portrayal and stereotype of how Americans viewed um, viewed people with Chinese backgrounds back in the 90s. But today's poem is from her 2005 poetry collection called Sanctuary, which focuses on growing up, and in this, in this episode specifically, adolescence, which is when you're really experiencing life as a teenager. So the poem is actually called Adolescence, and it uses a variety of imagery to portray its message. And I think the imagery in this poem is also very unique in itself, as it's all imagery from nature. And after I've read the poem in a second, we will obviously explore various lines in, in different stanzas within the poem, but in the perspective of how it relates to us, because... I think reading this once you're past the stage of adolescence actually turns out to be very reflective because you you relate to a few lines within the poem in the aspect of exactly what you were going through in life at that time. So not, not just necessarily, uh, yeah, I've experienced that as a teenager, but actually reflecting with true experiences and situations that you went through as a teenager. So... Without further ado, this is Adolescence by Adrian Sue. The trouble was not about finding acceptance. Acceptance was available in the depths of the mind and among like people. The trouble was the look into the canyon, which had come a long time earlier and spent many years being forgotten the fine garments and rows of strong shoes, the pantry stocked with good grains and butter. Everything could be earned by producing right answers. Answers were important, the canyon said, but the answers were not the solution. A glimpse into the future had shown the prairie, on which houses stood sturdily. The earth was moist and generous, the sunlight benevolent. The homesteaders dreamed up palaces and descendants, and the animals slept soundly as stones. It was a hard-earned heaven, the self-making of travellers, and often out on the plains, mirages, rows of waterfalls, moose and rows of fresh ploughed soil, but nobody stopped to drink the false water. Real water being plentiful, they were not thirsty. A few made their fortunes from native beauty, others from native strength. But most from knowledge, as uncertainties in science could be written off to faith. Faith was religious, and ordinary life physical. And spiritual was a song that had not yet arrived. So there is so much imagery within that poem. And I'd like to kick things off with the line, the trouble was the look into the canyon. 
Now, if you try and put yourself into the shoes of an adolescent, so a teenager, then it brings back memories of insecurities and generally not knowing where life would take you next. And consequently, the metaphor of the canyon itself could actually be viewed as an adolescent being introspective. And in that sense, I can only really speak about my experiences as a teenager. But from my perspective, life as a teenager is mostly learning about yourself because you're constantly changing, not just due to puberty and hormones, but also life is is moving quick within these times, whether that's exams, relationships, or family things going on, life just seems to breeze by. So I think it's just learning a lot about yourself, but just learning how to adapt to life changing. And when I think of the canyon here, I think very much of the darkness that's below and not being able to see what's at the bottom. So in that aspect, it's very much knowing, or sorry, not knowing what's ahead of me which is exactly what I felt like when I was a teenager. And like most teenagers, I didn't have a scooby-doo of where I wanted to go in life and where I think I would end up. I absolutely had no idea. So the imagery of the canyon here is very fitting and poetic in the way that, sure, at most ages you don't really know what's around the corner. But I think specifically as an adolescent teenager, It's probably the time period where you're most stressed and anxious about it, mostly because you haven't really had to deal with anything like that before. Up until then, you've had the daily structure of waking up, having breakfast, you know, having a shower and all that, going to school, then getting home, doing homework, and then going to sleep. And sure, there might be a bit of sport or social events or whatever sprinkled in there. But in general, it's a copy-paste every day. So then, when you're faced with the question of, well, what do you want to do after school and in life? It can be pretty daunting, especially when you really have no idea of what you want to do in life, which was the case for myself. And the choices that you make then will also have a pretty significant impact on the next few years of your life. So I guess overall what I'm saying here is that the metaphorical canyon resonates with me a lot, and I'm sure a lot of us in general really who have experienced life as an adolescent in these times. So then linked to the future and what's ahead, Adrian Sue presents us with the imagery of a prairie. And there's the line... A glimpse into the future had shown the prairie. Now, a prairie is defined as an enormous stretch of grassland. And I guess in the US it's also known as a meadow. So if you've heard that word, then that might resonate with you a bit more. This very much reflects uh, the vast openness of life ahead and what's to come. Because if you don't really have a plan, then the open grasslands kind of reflect that, that You know, there's various things that can be planted here and various things that can be done as well. Now, as you're obviously walking through this metaphorical prairie, you might hit drier patches where the grass isn't necessarily as green as other parts. 
but I think that reflects the pendulum of life, with all of its ups and downs and peaks and troughs. And also, when you're visualizing a prairie, you think of wheat, covered land, and if you've seen the film Interstellar, then in this sense, the fields of corn at the start of the film, I think that would be a great image of, of a prairie. In that aspect, a prairie has got that sense of perfect land that's got rich soil and perfect amounts of rainfall that keeps everything growing and well kept. But I think this actually shows the naivety and thought process that a teenager has, where you think the future will be so much better than the present you're living in. But realistically, you actually have no idea what life has got planned ahead of you. Now, this isn't me saying that life doesn't have great things planned ahead when you're a teenager, but it's more, I think the imagery of the prairie is linked to the idea of a teenager's future just being sunshine and rainbows, because, well, I guess when you watch films where they often depict teenagers' lives and what they're going through, whether that's the romantic relationships and sports, is very much presented as this fun and perfect life, which, I mean, obviously in films, that's pretty much what they do with most topics. They like to glorify everything. But in the aspect of, of a teenager, I do think when you're sort of being present in that moment, which is what teenagers are very good at, it is kind of sunshine and rainbows and you're very naive but that is just part of growing up so i guess again here what i'm trying to say is i'm all for optimism but realistically life isn't always sunshine and rainbows now and then a storm will come along and flood the prairie but i think that's exactly when it's got to be remembered that obviously a storm does come they do go as well Another glimpse of great imagery is the line that talks about temptations that you might face in life, where you might be tempted to sort of delve down into darker paths. Sue mentions drinking false water, which I think in this aspect is where we might be presented with something that looks like water on the surface and aesthetic level. But once the false water touches our lips, we taste and can then see its true intentions. Now, I think that metaphor can be linked to anything from uh, toxic friendships, if you're having fights with uh, friends or mates, but also romantic relationships, because I think as a teenager, that's when you actually first learn what a relationship really is and what it entails and what it feels like. Now, you obviously don't really know what's below the surface of a person until you get to know them. So I think that very much links well to the the metaphor of false water. Like, here's the false water. It looks exactly like normal water would, but it isn't. It can actually lead you down different paths that you might not necessarily want to explore. So overall, I think this poem goes to show that Sue uses a lot of imagery linked to nature for one. I think that's quite evident in itself. But also relatable imagery. Because once you really put yourself in, in the shoes of an adolescent, then you can link these experiences to what you yourself have experienced and seen in life as a teenager. But I think there is also abstract imagery in the poem 
that does make you think a bit harder about its connotations and Sue's choice of imagery there. Like when she talks about spirituality as a song, I think that has quite a few intriguing layers to it. But that's all we have time for on this episode of Poetic Plonk. So go ahead and let me know how you resonated with the poem, which aspects made you feel a certain way and which aspects you related to. So on that note, I'd like to wish you all a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'll see you on the next one.